Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short. So glad to have you along with us today as we get in the Word of God, allowed to transform our lives. And today I'd like to talk about persecution and the advancement of the gospel. And I'd also like to raise a question. Were there things the early Christians did that we're missing? They were, they were effective. They filled Jerusalem with their teaching. They filled Samaria, Judea and Samaria. There are scriptures that indicated that all the known world was reached with the gospel in their generation. Of course, we're far from that in our time. Were there things that we could pick up and learn from them? <clears throat> I'd like to talk about, I'd like to go back and see a couple of verses from the book of Acts and, uh, and talk about what happened. There's a guy named Stephen. Stephen was a deacon. He was, one who was appointed to take care of the physical needs, the feeding of widows in particular, that the church was providing for many of the widows. And he had he was one of the men who had a responsibility for this. But he was also a great preacher of the word. <clears throat> and indeed, we see of him that that uh, he would preach the word regularly. and and what here's what happened. Acts chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Some men from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen. He was proclaiming the word. He was, he was, he was publicly announcing what Christ had done. He was sharing the scriptures. I imagine he taught the old, we read from the very next chapter, he really knew his Old Testament. This was a man of the word. And he, he probably was talking about fulfillment of prophecies that Jesus did and so forth. These people rose up and they argued with him. And what did he do? They were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. This is one of the great verses I pray for my ministry in my life, by the way. Many people rise up on campus and argue with me. I go out and proclaim the gospel, and they, well, what about science, or what about prove there's a God, or, or what about errors in the Bible, or what about other religions, or, you know, all these different questions that people constantly are throwing at me. And from my early days of preaching the gospel on campus, this was one of the verses I prayed. Father, I pray that you would, that people would be unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which I'm speaking. This would be a gift from God. This would be grace from God. This would not just be Tom Short speaking. This would have to be something, an anointing and a power that comes from the Spirit of God. I encourage you to pray for this verse too. If you evangelize, if you share the gospel, pray that God would make you like Stephen, a man that people, even if they disagree with him, they couldn't cope with his wisdom. They couldn't cope with the spirit, the attitude, the, the way in which he was speaking. Well, what happened as a result of this? The people finally had had enough. It was this public proclamation. It was the boldness. It was the fact that they couldn't prove him wrong. It's the fact that when they argued with him, he won the arguments both in what he said and in the way he said it. In the, in the message he gave and in the attitude and way he expressed his words, he, he just won. They couldn't beat him. And as a result, what happened? They began to persecute him. At the end of the chapter, they brought him before the, they, they had him arrested. 
He came before the, the, the authorities. Acts chapter 7 is a somewhat of a history of the Old Testament in which he just shows how so often the people would reject the one God sent to save them. And now they were rejecting Jesus, the one sent to save them. And it says they could not tolerate this. They could not stand it when he publicly was reproving them, pointing out their error, pointing out how they were stiff-necked and hard-hearted and turning against God. What did they do? It said they screamed in anger. They 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 raged at him. They gritted their teeth. They gnashed their teeth at him, and they decided they stoned him and they killed him. And indeed, someone who was standing right there at this time was Saul, who later became Paul the apostle. And indeed, Stephen's last words: "Father, don't hold this against them." As he opened his eyes and he looked into heaven, and as he was being killed. And he cried out to God to have mercy on his persecutors. Well, that prayer got answered. It, wasn't, it was only just a chapter or two later, Paul got knocked off his high horse on his way to Damascus by Jesus. Why are you persecuting me, Saul? And, um, and he said, Lord, Lord, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. Quite interesting that he had persecuted Stephen, and yet Jesus said, you're persecuting me. When you're killing the Christians, you're killing me. Saul got converted, became Paul, became this great evangelist. But back to Acts chapter 8. After the stoning and death of Stephen, a great persecution broke out in the church. And as a result, it says the people were scattered everywhere. Now, interestingly, the, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. They probably were still staying there united and wanting to help things get, I don't know exactly right. Maybe they're waiting, thinking Jesus was going to come back soon, and they're supposed to wait there. But for whatever reason, they were staying in Jerusalem, but everybody else got scattered. And it says of them, look at this, therefore those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. Now it's interesting here. The same word is used twice in the same in, in these two verses, but it's not the same word in the Greek. In in verse four, it says, uh, the, uh, "Verse four, it says that they went about preaching the word. Everybody was preaching the word." And then it says, actually, here it says proclaiming. A lot of translations says that Peter uh, that uh, Philip went preaching or proclaiming. And then I want to show you the difference of the words. When talking about the people in general, the word was evangelizio, evangelizio. We get our word evangelism from it. It means to bring the good news. Pardon my Greek there. To bring the good news, to announce the glad tidings. That's what all the people did. All the people went everywhere and they were announcing, there's good news. The Messiah's come. He bring, he, we've been scattered, but we're, we're telling everybody that the Messiah has come. This is the news. It had just happened. It was still fresh. And, they were, and people had not yet heard about it, and they were announcing this good news. But of, uh, of Philip, the word is curacil, and that means to proclaim, to herald the public proclamation of the gospel. 
These would be heralds, for instance, the way news was spread in those days is that uh, a, a herald would travel to the city, stand in the town center, stand up on a stump, and he would announce whatever news needed to be understood by the people. They didn't have newspapers. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have they, they didn't have websites. They didn't have so how was news announced? It was announced by this proclamation. And what what uh, Philip did is he said, I'm going to go stand up on that stump. I'm going to go to the same place others are, and I'm going to announce that the Messiah has come and that they that he's, he died, but they, they were, he's crucified, but that he rose again from the dead, and now he's the Lord of all. He's a king. He's coming back. And so it's interesting here that everybody, everybody was announcing the good news or telling the good news. I would imagine this was just telling people they worked with, telling people they saw, telling people they encountered on the street, telling people within their network of relationships. But Philip was a little bit different. He stood up and spoke, it says, to the crowds. Look what it says there in verse 5. The crowds with one accord were paying attention to what was said by Philip. And I'd like to suggest that what do we need today? We need both. We need people who will just talk to their networks, people who will tell others what Christ has done for them, share their testimony, announce the good news. Can I tell you? There's more and more people who don't know the good news. Uh, 30 years ago, if you evangelized an average person on a campus, you asked, do they know how to get to heaven? They would have told you a way of good works. They They wouldn't have talked about faith in Jesus or the death of Christ to save them. Today, if you ask them, they might give the same answers, their own good works, their own good efforts. They'd be rewarded if they live well enough. But more likely, it would even be something completely devoid of of the Christian God whatsoever. It'd be something about understanding themselves or the divinity within, a New Age concept, an Eastern religion concept, or even, well, they'd say they don't even believe in an afterlife. But if there is, they're good enough to make it. We need, in our day and age, we need people announcing the good news, and we need people proclaiming the good news. But understand something. There is a little bit of a difference here. The difference is not the message. The difference is is how it's delivered. Some just one-on-one, telling telling everybody you see. The other, public proclamation of it. Notice a couple things. We don't do much of that anymore. We have moved it into the church, and we think that when we stand up in the, on the stage and declare the gospel to the audience in the church audience, that that is the public proclamation of the gospel. I've got news for you. That's not really public. That's not really public. That, that's, kind of, that's preaching to the choir, as they say. And we hope there might be some unbeliever that wanders in off the street or is invited by a friend or something. But that audience is primarily believers, or at least they think they're believers, okay? They may need to hear the gospel still. But I don't think what Stephen was doing, or what Stephen was doing, or what Philip was doing, or for that matter, what Paul was doing, or for that matter, what Apollos was doing, and Peter, and John, and Jesus, and throughout the Old Testament, the prophets— they were speaking in the public. Now, here's the problem. When Peter, when Stephen did it, what happened? 
They stoned the guy. They rose up and argued with him. They disagreed. They made a scene. The the people were upset about it. They had him arrested. The public taking the gospel into the public created a reaction. And lots of times in our days, we don't want to do that. In fact, I have so many times heard people say, quote, we're trying to learn how to share the gospel in a non-offensive way. Well, let me tell you, the gospel message is offensive because it tells us we're sinners. But sometimes the very means in which it is to be proclaimed is also offensive. Why? Because we're doing it publicly. In the scripture, that's where they got the pushback. That's where they got in trouble. That's when persecution came, when they proclaimed it publicly, when they stood up and preached it as the heralds would. And in our day, we don't want to get persecuted. No one wants that. And so consequently, few are doing it. And when they do it, and there's people rise up to argue, or people rise up to persecute, or the authorities aren't happy with it, people say, see, that doesn't work. Well, that's what they did in the New Testament. That's why they had revival. They took it public. They went public. And when we do, it motivates others. It ought to motivate others. It ought to cause others. When Stephen was stoned, look at how it says everybody went preaching the gospel. I wonder if that would have happened had he not been persecuted the way he was. Does everybody do this? No. In Scripture, again, Acts 8, we see everybody evangelized, but uh, Philip preached to the crowds. In fact, we don't see a whole lot of people in Scripture preaching to the crowds, but we do know the ones that is written much about, again, Stephen, Philip, uh, Peter, Paul, Apollos, Jesus in the New Testament, all of them, all of them publicly proclaimed God's word to the crowds. And again, it wasn't in the church. It was out in the public. It was out in the public. Paul in the marketplace. Apollos powerfully refuted those who who challenged what he was saying, proving from the scripture Jesus was the Christ. This, I think, is the missing element. This is the missing element. Of course, this is what I do. And as I've studied the book of Acts, this is what I see there. And I wonder, why doesn't everybody see it? How come there's not more people doing this? How come there's not more people seeing this? Well, it is tough. It is hard. It is demanding. It, 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 it is humbling. It is, sometimes you're ridiculed. Regularly you're ridiculed. And, uh, and so for this reason, I don't know. It's the other's a lot easier. The other doesn't create the pushback. The other doesn't bring the persecution. I understand that. But might God raise up more and more who see this? Personally, can I just share my own life? I've had people come up to me through the years and say, boy, Tom, I'd like to do what you do. And often I've said, no, you don't. You don't understand the pushback you get. You don't understand the persecution. You don't understand the people talk about you, the things they say about you. You might It might look glorious out here on campus right now. You don't understand what's really involved in this. I don't think you really want it. And I often tell those people, you just get involved in your church and learn to evangelize and see how you feel in a couple of years from now. Very few of them have ever come back. Um, I've recently felt from the Lord that God is saying, this stage in my life, 
Don't tell them that anymore. Call more and more people to be publicly proclaiming the gospel. If you want to pray for me and my ministry, that's one thing I'm praying for here in the coming years in my life to really multiply what I've done. And instead of tell people how hard it is, to tell people how glorious it is. You can pray that for me, okay? Let's pray for it right now. Father in heaven, I think of, Lord, as I read the book of Acts, and I know so many of us on this live stream, this podcast, as we read the book of Acts, we say, oh God, could it happen again in our day? Could it happen in our day? Could we see revival? And Father in heaven, we pray, send it into our land. Send us a revival. I pray, Father, for every single person who shares the gospel, who evangelizes, who shares what you've done. Strengthen them. Encourage them. Uh, help them to know that as they sow the seed, it's good what they're doing. It's not in vain. But I also pray, Lord, that you would call uh, your your the, the people who you gift in this way and you call in this way to step forward and really proclaim publicly. I pray, Lord, you would help them to have the courage, the perseverance, the wisdom, that no one could cope with their wisdom or their spirit, their attitudes, that they would have the aroma of Christ wherever they go. And if people want to rise up and argue and fight and dispute with them, that they would, no one could cope. No one could, dis, no one could win the argument. No one could, could, could have a better attitude. No one could be more loving. No one could win. And Lord, even if it means their only recourse then is to persecute us, we know that we are taking the gospel public like it should be. Oh, Father, use me this year. Use me in this. Others who are involved in this ministry, strengthen them. And Lord, raise up a whole host of new gospel workers who will be publicly proclaiming your word wherever they can. We pray this and ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, you know what? If if this has struck a chord in your heart, I've written a book on this topic called Taking to the Turf. The theme is take the gospel out of the church on the public into the public square, into the campus, wherever it is, and proclaim it. If you'd like if a copy, write me, Tom at TomThePreacher.com. I'll send you one. And of course, those of you who support our ministry or would like to support it, I'd be glad to send you one as well. Just ask for one. I want to get this out. You might even know some people who you'd like to give it to. Maybe you've read it yourself, but you have some friends you'd like to pass it on to. Just let me know. I'd rather them be in someone's hands than in, in a box in my basement, okay? Hey, so glad to have you along. We come here every day. God bless you. I love you. So glad to have you in the Word. If you're new, welcome. I hope you join us regularly. And if you're here every day, you know how grateful I am for the chance to, sh- to sow the seed of God's Word in your life. God bless you. I love you. And I'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye-bye.